When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Touchdown Denver. Uh, I'm George Stoya, your host, alongside your other host, Nick Ferguson. Nick, it's snowing outside. It's uh yeah. Which you'll hear, you'll hear, of course, on my audio, the uh, like plows or sand. I guess it's the sand truck, whatever it is. You know, it's really loud and it goes by like every like ten minutes. So, uh, but uh, I was not, I was not expecting to wake up to some snow this morning. No, no, neither, neither was I. I mean, I looked at the forecast uh, yesterday and it said that we were supposed to get snow on Thursday. The high was going to be twenty eight and the ten and ten was going to be the low. But I guess uh, Mother Nature in the mountains had uh, a different plan. So uh, you know how this works, George. Those mountains, when they get angry, and maybe the reason we got this early snow was because they're angry about what's going on with the Broncos. Yeah, they're like, oh, the Broncos stink, so we're going to send them snow <laughs> in uh, early November here. Um, I know for me, though, I'm not going to do anything today. Now that it's snowing outside, that's just like an automatic, okay, I'm checked out for the day. I'm not going to, I'm not going to work. That's my favorite snow day activity is just saying, okay, I guess I'm just not going to uh, do anything. I guess it's because I, I grew up in Oklahoma where we rarely got snow. And when we did, like everything got canceled because no one knows how to deal with snow there. So like school would just be out, you'd be out of school for like weeks because it's like, <laughs> oh, we don't know. We don't know how to handle you know, three inches of snow. Whereas here it's like, no, you still have you know, a life to go do. And they handle it well here. Like everybody's prepared for snow. Well, I wouldn't really say everyone's prepared because George, you know how this works just because, you know, the snow plows and it's thought of that everyone here in Denver should be used to the snow and knows how to drive in the snow. It's just like when it rains or there's snow, people usually are supposed to adhere to kind of the weather conditions, but we know that doesn't work. That means speed up for some people. So not everyone adheres to uh, the snow weather conditions. So if you were to go outside, which it doesn't sound like you're going to, just make sure that you are paying attention to the other guys because most likely they're not paying attention to you. Yeah, I'm actually a really good driver in the snow. I'm just a, I'm just a good driver all around, uh, Nick. So I I'm not too concerned, but yeah, you probably won't find me outside today. I think I'm going to hang out at home and just relax, maybe get some work done. I know we have a lot to talk about, Nick. We've been, we spent the first three minutes here talking about snow, but uh, I feel like we, I I know we covered quite a few bases the other day about the game, but um, you know, there's still so much to talk about this Broncos team. They're such an, an an interesting team in, in, in the sense that there's still eight games left, right? Um, Still a lot to play for. And I thought it was interesting yesterday. I don't know if you got to listen to Nathaniel Hackett's uh, Monday press conference, Nick, but um, you know he was kind of asked about his job security a little bit, uh, his 
his thoughts, you know, going into these final eight games, what he wants to do as a head coach, what they can do better as a team. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. He said, you know, something along the lines of, you know, I've learned in, in this profession, you're coaching for your job every day. Uh, Cause the question was thrown out there. Do you think you're coaching for your job on Sunday against the Raiders? So uh, what did you maybe think or, or take away from Hackett's press conference on Monday? Well, for me, it's just like at this stage of the game, what more can we expect for him to stand up there and, and say in regards to how uh, the offense isn't performing and his job security? Those are going to be the two uh, questions that are going to be asked from here on out. Because even if the Broncos were to string up a couple of games together, is it enough to kind of like really save his job or even have people to kind of not ask that question? So it is something that's going to be continued to be asked because his team is uh, underperformed. But for, for Hackett, the, the thing that I guess, you know, fans and we in the media would love to hear him say is once again, not just the fact of, okay, well, we need to clean this up. We need to do this. We need to do that. Yeah. Those things are obvious. Those things are known. If you're watching the game, and you have any type of uh, brain in your head, you can see these things. So we want him to, to give us answers as to how. Now, that doesn't mean giving us a peek into the playbook, but give us a, a little more security that, hey, these things are going to change. You know, you've noticed that things have uh, been this way for 11 weeks in the NFL season. What are you going to do? What is your plan of changing these things? And I think, you know, when you talk to most of the fans, and all you have to do is go to social media or even just kind of walk out, you know, from, from wherever you live and go to the supermarket, a gas station. And they're asking these questions like, OK, the Broncos had two weeks. And if that offensive performance was the best that we can do after two weeks, we know where the rest of the season is going to wind up. So if you're in that thing, you hack it. I mean, you now you got to pull out everything, things that you wrote on a napkin, you know, 14 years ago or two or, or, or last year sometime, you now have to dig deep into the crates and try to pull up any and everything that you can. And here's what I would say. I mean, at first, when you look at Chicago Bears and Justin Fields, Luke Gassi was not doing a, a great job offensively. And granted, they didn't really have a lot of weapons outside. But look has, what's happened over the past couple of weeks. And we've seen Justin Fields definitely light things up in the air and on the ground. And Cole Komet, are you telling me Cole Komet is a better tight end than Greg Dosage right now? I know he has more experience, but when you just look at the pure skill set, there's no comparison. So why is he receiving more catches in the Bears offense than Greg Dosage is receiving in the Broncos offense? It's a good question, Nick. Um, I'm not sure anybody has the answer to it. Uh, at least that's been my biggest thing is it just it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of answers being thrown out there. Uh, and and if they had the answer, I think they'd be playing better. Right. Um, but <clears throat> Hackett doesn't seem to have the answers right now. I did want to ask you, Nick, because we talked about this a little bit off the air, uh, you know, after last the last podcast. Uh, would you want to be head coach of a team uh, someday? And uh, what would maybe be? If, if, if they called you up tomorrow, you know, pulled a Jeff Saturday in the Colts here and they called up Nick Ferguson, what would be your message to this team uh, this season and trying to turn this thing around with eight games left? 
Well, first of all, if that would if uh, that happened, of course, uh, I would welcome that call and I would say so long, George Storia. No, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> no, but but basically my message would be uh, to the team is that, look, I've been on teams where, you know, things have looked bleak, just like the this, this struggling situation that the Broncos are in. And we can whine and we can complain. We can look to point the finger, but we have to galvanize in that room and come together. So when we look at practice, we're not just going to change the practice schedule. Let's change how we actually practice. And what I mean by that, and I know at this stage of the game, when we look at where the season is, because the Broncos have some injuries, now you're not doing a lot of uh, things where, where, you know, like back in my, my time, it was nine on seven. You're doing one-on-ones. You're doing a, a, real, a real competitive uh, red zone uh, period. So to me, I would try to get back to some of those things. And I know these guys now, they may not be used to that, right? Because they may not have gone through that. But now we have to start practicing some of the same things that we're going to do in the game. We have to practice the same way that we expect to play in the game. I want every guy running or jogging full speed. Well, I won't say full speed, but I want every guy jogging from drill to drill. No walking, right? No one's walking. And that builds that, that, that kind of sense of urgency in every single guy. And we're going to practice, you know, real game situation. If time is running out, we need a, uh, a kick or field goal. Now we want to rush our field goal team out there and we want to try to kick that field goal with no time on the clock. So the idea would, would be trying to create a sense of urgency in the group and be real with them. Hey, there's 24 guys on this roster who are unrestricted free agents, Right. That means that you are independent contractors, and at the end of the year, you can choose to go anywhere you want to go. But right now, we are evaluating every single person in this room and on the coaching staff. That's what we're going to do. And apparently, if I'm here, then that means that the players and the coaches who are currently here did not do their job effectively, right? So I'm not saying that to insult anyone, but I'm just saying as though there has to be a sense of urgency created because when you look at what football is, that's what it is, 24-7, sense of urgency. And if you don't get your job done, then you get gone, simply put. Was, that, you was think, that a little too harsh? No, no, I think I think it's what needs to be said because I was just about to ask you, Nick, do you think this team, this Broncos team currently has that sense of urgency? Because I don't – I'm not sure they do. No, no, they, they, they don't. Now, once again, let's go back to the 80-20 rule. You may have 80 guys who may have that and 20 guys who don't. And sometimes if you allow that 20% to kind of infiltrate that 80%, now they're starting to change the minds of other players. And then you have this conflict in the locker room where you have things divided and guys are not playing together. And we've heard that before. We heard Brett Rippon say that before after the Jets game. And, I mean, Russell kind of alluded to it, but not, not too much. But that might be something – that's going on, but that divide may not be created because of the players. And that divide might be might have been created, George, because some of that that twenty percent they don't agree with the coaches. Correct. I, I mean, I think that's part of the issue right now, Nick. Is you've got too many. You've got a, a, a group of guys that are probably bought in, right? Like you said, um, eighty twenty somewhere in there. You know, seventy thirty something like that. Uh, but it, it's you got to have everybody, and it, and it's I'm talking all the way into the practice squad, right? Uh, have to be bought into what you're trying to do, and, and and that's the problem is I don't know if the message is getting getting through right now. So 
Uh, going to be interesting to see how Hackett figures it out. I know I wouldn't want to be a head coach, Nick. Um, I said that the other day, and you, you, you're like, what do you mean you don't want to be a head coach? And I was like, well, that's a lot of pressure, man. I don't know if I can handle that pressure. I mean, that's a lot of pressure on the thing. Like, I think I'd rather just get his paycheck and do something else, you know, that doesn't have as much pressure. Hold on, George. <clears throat> you Okay, you want the money, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't want the pressure. See, see, they, they go kind of go hand in hand, right? If you take a head coaching job, I mean, everyone's now looking at you, right, as being the person you're constantly at the podium, and there's money that comes along with it. So you just want the money and not the job. Correct. I mean, explain this form of thinking, because I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, Nick, I I don't think I would want to have that sort of pressure on me. And and the thing is, Nick, they get paid millions of dollars. I could just win. What I'm saying is, like, why not just, like, win the lottery uh, and have all the money and not have to have that kind of pressure? Now, I will say, I think I'd be really good with the media. I think I'd be really good at the press conferences. But, you know, the pressure that comes with being a head coach – I mean, this Hackett. There's a chance he gets fired in one year. Like that, that's a lot of pressure, man. I don't know if I could do that. That's the pressure associated with the job. So you just want to be the guy who goes to the podium. If that's the case, you might as well join the Broncos media crew. Now you're not going to get paid as much uh, money as well, Hackett. That's my job, and well, I like it. But well, then, then you are now Patrick Smythe, then, right? So that's fun. Okay. I like Patrick Smythe. All right. So, so, so. You, well, you're not going to get paid as much as, as Hackett. So if, if you're cool with that, then take it. But I, I say, look, once again, you're standing up there, you're running a team, and, hey, if you're able to turn this team around and they think you hack it, just think about it. I mean, now you're like the comeback coach of the year in uh, 2022, right? So, so for me, it's like, look, I accept that type of pressure, right? It's not, it's not just the money. The money is great but accepting that type of pressure. Think about some of the great coaches who have coached this game, not just here in Denver, but just period, Bill Belichick, right? You can even talk Greg Popovich uh, in the NBA. You know, those guys welcome that type of pressure and they know how to, or, or they have developed ways to adjust to that type of pressure. But I just think it's, it's wild that you want the money, but you don't want the pressure. I think a lot of people would say that. Uh, and maybe it's because, you know, Nick, I, in high school, I coached uh, the uh, the powder puff team all four years. I was the uh, the coach of the girls' powder puff team, and we lost every single year. We never won a game, uh, and so I think <laughs> I just said, "How did that feel?" Awful. That's why I'm. That's why I don't want to be a coach anymore. I was like, "Well, I, I'm not very good at this." Uh, but also, it was the players' fault. They weren't any good. Why? Uh, and I wait, 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 wait. I no. told him that too. I told a girl. I said, "You're not any good," and she cried. And I said, "You guys are terrible." And that's why we lost. We just didn't what, have very good athletes. What type of person are you, right? I don't even know you anymore. Here it is. You are coaching Powder Puffs. You said four years. I mean, yep. what kind of drills were you doing to prepare them? So it wasn't the girls. It was you. No, it was. It was the girls. Was Everybody it? will tell you that. they. We played every year. We played because uh, it was like, you know, freshmen play sophomores, juniors play seniors, you know, that kind of thing. The classes that we had to play had girls that were going to go play like division one soccer at Notre Dame. Like I'm not even kidding. And we had girls that like weren't even on any of the varsity teams. And so we clearly had uh, not as not as much talent because I was coaching my butt off, Nick. Mm -hmm. I was drawing up plays. I was 
I was uh, I was running tough drills. We, these girls were running gassers. I mean, we were we were all in on this sucker, man. I had I had other coaches too. They would back me up on this. I'm telling you, the the girls. We didn't have a quarterback. We couldn't throw the ball. That was part of the problem. Where they had this one girl. She was she had a cannon, Nick. She had a cannon for an arm. She could have been the starting the starting quarterback for the football team, but. Uh, it, just, oh, well. it just seemed like you were a terrible coach and offensive coordinator because you realized that she could not throw, right? Now, the idea is to find someone else in that school that could throw, and then you change your offense if you still couldn't find. It's a small play. school, Nick. We couldn't, we, couldn't get, we couldn't get enough girls out there. It's, it, you know what? This is, this is beside the point. All I'm saying is I wasn't a very good coach. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, right. Broncos, the Broncos so should not the hire me. Yeah, that's the, the reason why you would do that. You, you're exactly. not a coach. Exactly. Well, Nick, we got to take a break, uh, and then we will jump into some more stuff about this offense, maybe how we think we can fix it or how how they can fix it. Uh, and also, Nick, uh, just recently they just dropped out the uh, Pro Bowl voting and wanted to get your thoughts on maybe some guys that you'd like to see the Pro Bowl this year for the Broncos. So let's take a quick break, and we'll ju- jump into that stuff. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. Hey, Nick, let's uh, let's jump into uh, some Pro Bowl stuff here. Uh, it, it just came out. The uh, Pro Bowl voting is now open. You can find that at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl. And... Uh, I'm looking here, Nick, at the players listed for the Broncos. Who would you maybe say or or, or maybe some of the the, the top choices that you think should make the Pro Bowl? I mean, obviously, I think Pat Sertan is number one, right? Like if you had to ask me who should make the Pro Bowl for the Broncos, Pat Sertan is on the list. Who may be after him or um, other guys that, that you think could maybe, you know, be a Pro Bowl type player? Well, I mean, after him and, and looking at the roster, you don't really have that that many guys, even though the defense has played well collectively. But I would say uh, Draymond Jones being one of those guys to kind of get uh, a couple of votes. I mean, he's performed uh, admirably this year. And, and I know coming into the season, there, there were a lot of uh, individuals locally who were not high on Draymond Jones. But it, but I, it's, it's amazing what happens when you have someone next to you that's really pushing you, but also takes a little bit of the stress uh, off of you. I mean, the acquisition of DJ Jones, man, I would say definitely that's helped out Draymond Jones game tremendously because now you have someone else who can pull the, who can draw the double team, give you that single. And now you can do what the Broncos thought you were capable of doing when they, when they drafted you. So that would be one of the guys now, the next two guys, you know, I'm going to throw out there, you know, you may not feel this way, but I'm going to base this based on how I've seen them seen them play. And that's Josie Jules and uh, Alex Singleton. And even though neither one of these guys may not get the vote to uh, go to the Pro Bowl, but I just look at the way that they've played uh, collectively. Alexander, uh, Alex Singleton, that game, you go back to the Chargers game, 15 tackles, that dude was all over the field, and he is a hell of a special teams player. Now, Josie Jewell, not your fast guy, and he's not running down the field with some of your elite uh, speedy tight ends, but when it comes to stuffing a run, and, and he and, and all of that was on display on Sunday, I mean, he really helped the Broncos' defense by holding down the middle on that second level and shutting down Derrick Henry. So those are the two guys, or three guys, or four, if you want to, one, two, three, four, 
that I think that uh, should be in the mix. But obviously the one guy that definitely will get in without a doubt, no questions, hands down, is PS2. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for some of these guys to get in. I think Draymond Jones has a legit shot. Um, I thought he was a, a, a name that that popped up. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, Justin Simmons typically is in this conversation, but since he's played uh, so little this season and has been hurt, uh, I think it's going to be tough for him to make it. Uh, I like the Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton picks. I mean, maybe they could be guys that, um, you know, are like on the, you know, you know, the reserve team or whatever. I, I doubt it just because again, it's tough to get those, those spots. Um, but you know, there's a lot of guys on defense. You can make the case. Is there anybody on offense? Uh, I do I even dare ask that question. Um, is there anybody on offense that you would say, yeah, you pound the table for that guy to make the pro bowl. No, man, it, it, it's, there's no one at this particular moment because you're asking yourself, well, who has uh, set themselves uh, apart from anyone else. Now, the only person that I would say that would have a chance, uh, it would be Jerry Judy, uh, if he were were healthy and his numbers continue to escalate. But um, no, man, right now, that's not. And, and that's kind of where we are from an offensive standpoint here with the Broncos team. If this, if this offense was, let's just say, a 20-point team per game, Maybe now you can say, yes, a person here, a person there. We can't even look at the offensive line because that offensive line has been so beat, beat up, maligned, and inconsistent that you can't even look there. And then you look at Russell based on the pressure, inconsistency with the passes, the play scheme. I mean, no. I mean, I would be shocked, right? I would be shocked if somehow someone from the Broncos offense uh, ended up uh, on the ballot and uh, got a certain amount of votes. And that would be only due because, you know, Broncos fans showed up and, and they voted. But from a produ- production standpoint, no, George, there's no one on offense that uh, has earned or deserves the right to actually be on that balance. So it's most about uh, the Broncos defense. Yeah, and it, it's unfortunate because I was thinking, I, I want to say before the season, uh, you know, for the Denver Gazette, I did some like hot take preseason predictions and one of them was I believe Javante Williams and Tim Patrick both make the Pro Bowl and uh, obviously both are injured and out for the season Uh, I thought both those guys were gonna have big seasons I think Javante would have been one of those guys right there at maybe possibly making the Pro Bowl this year if he had the season that I thought he was going to so uh, unfortunate they lose those two guys Cortland Sutton has made a Pro Bowl in his past he's not there this year like there's just too many guys at that receiver spot they're going to get picked over him. And he also just doesn't have the numbers. Like he doesn't have the touchdown catches that he needs to have uh, to, to, you know, make a case to be in that, that situation. So I think that kind of speaks to uh, the offense as a whole, Nick is, is how, how poorly they've been. So um, lastly on the pro bowl stuff, what do you think of the way it's voted? Do you like the way the guys get selected for the pro bowl? Or do you think there's a better way to do it? You also have, the all pro, which is why, you know, it's always ends up being different teams is like you get the all pro, which is, I believe it's media based um, and AP, the associated press. I think there's also a, a player's all pro, isn't there where the players vote on who should be all pro. And then you have the pro bowl, which is pretty much fan driven. Is it not? Yeah, it is. Uh, as a person that said in that room, I don't like the process because usually uh, what happens is uh 
it's kind of a sense of urgency trying to get to those votes because it takes place after guys are coming off the field in practice. At least that's what it was when, when I played. And, you know, guys want to get out of there. They, they've had a long day. So it's like, how quickly can we get through this process and just kind of take you through it? If you're sitting in the room, now you get a list of all the offensive players, right? You get a list of uh, their stats. So you know who has the most receptions, the most yards, uh, the most touchdowns. You know all of that. And usually how the defensive players vote, they say, okay, well, who has the most uh, touchdowns? Obviously, he has the most touchdowns. That means he's balling. So, yes, he should be there as well. But also, there's a strategy to it as well. So if there are a couple of players who are on that list who are on other teams, then you want to balance it out because you feel as though you want to get your guys on that uh, ballot too as well and you can vote them into the Pro Bowl uh, because you have offensive guys on your team. So you have to make sure to balance things. Okay, well, we know who's who's the leader. Let's say Marvin Harrison is uh, the leader in touchdowns and receptions. So we don't want him to get in. We want Andre Johnson to get in. So we're going to vote for someone else lower on that list. So Andre's votes now start to elevate. And then you have the massive amount of a fan votes that are factored in as well. See, that's kind of like where the popularity comes in. So if you are a guy and you're not as popular, or people don't know your name uh, as much as other players, you may kind of get caught into the watch. And sometimes you see a guy make the Pro Bowl that may not be an all pro, which to me doesn't make sense because if you are a Pro Bowl player, shouldn't you be all pro too at the same time? So there's a lot of things that go into it, and I'll I'll end off with this. When it comes to defensive players, they just have your name. They put an asterisk by the guys who are starters. They don't put your stats. No, 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 no. So, So if someone on another team, they're not really quite familiar with you because they didn't play in your division and they didn't play against you, now you go back to name recognition, right? And for me, like when I played, there, there was only so many guys who can get in. They only put three safeties in the Pro Bowl, right? So just think about this group of guys that I was in the midst of. You had Troy Palomalu, Ed Reed, John Lynch, right? Those, those, those were the safeties, and you can't get everyone in. So uh, some guys, sometimes guys get uh, bumped out, but it, it just kind of goes back to PS2. There are other corners in his league that have – more interceptions than he does. But I go back and use uh, uh, the Deion Sanders rule of thumb. Deion didn't have a lot of uh, interceptions one year or several years, and he would constantly get in. And that was because of his level of play. So I'm hoping that PS2 doesn't get overlooked because he doesn't have as many interceptions as maybe a Sauce Gardner. Yeah, and and that's what's going to go against him. But if anybody's watched him this season, they know he's – one of the best. I mean, teams literally are not throwing the ball his way. I mean, we saw that against the Titans. I think he only had maybe one target thrown his way uh, and he, he batted it down. Like the guy's just unbelievable. So, and I think people around the league know that I I would, I would hope that he would get in. I mean, he's clearly one of the best corners in the league, if not the best corner in the league. And um, uh, Nick, I think he would be the first corner since Chris Harris jr to make the Pro Bowl in 2018. And I believe if he makes the All-Pro, he'd be the first corner to make All-Pro since Chris Harris, I want to say in 2016, 2015. Uh, so obviously it would be a, a big uh, deal for him to make it. I think he would also maybe become one of the youngest Broncos ever to make a Pro Bowl 
uh, at 22 years old and only in his second season. So, I mean, the guy's unbelievable. Uh, so ho hopefully he gets in there. I, you know, again, you guys can go vote uh, on uh, NFL.com slash Pro Bowl. The Broncos just tweeted out the link as well. Uh, I'm sure they'll be posting it everywhere. Um, but uh, should be interesting to see what happens there. Nick, uh, I did want to dive into some offensive stuff. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it and we even just talked about it now. They don't even have one guy that we were like, yeah, he could make the Pro Bowl. <laughs> uh, how would you go about trying to fix this offense? Uh, and I know we just mentioned that maybe they don't have the players, but is there something that you would start doing to, to help fix this offense to score more points? Uh, absolutely. And the first thing would be if I was George Payton or Walton Penn or family, I would uh, sit down Nathaniel Hackett and say, look, you know, you're a great guy. We, we like you. You're, you're fun to be around. But uh, obviously this game is about uh, production. It's a production-based business. So if you want to keep your job, here's what we would recommend. You have a guy on your staff who is uh, the, I guess, quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. Why don't you hand over play calling duties to that person? And that person is Clint Kubiak. And the reason I say this, not because I've known Clint for a long time, like when he was at Regis High School and I played for his dad, it's just the fact that this guy started out on the defensive side of the ball, kind of worked his, his way up, and he's, he's actually called plays before. In 2021, you know, he went from pass the game coordinator and quarterback coach to offensive coordinator because you remember before his dad was the OC and then his dad walked away from the game, I do believe, because of health issues and the young Clint Kubiak was sit there to man the team. And now that quarterback coach has the best relationship with that quarterback more so than the head coach and more so than the offensive coordinator, which is, you know, Nathaniel Hackett and Justin Allen, you choose who, which one of those individuals. But when you look at this and I went back and took a look. So when Clint took over and this is like Clint in his first year as OC in 2021, when you look at, Kirk Cousins' numbers, he threw for more than 4,000 yards, had 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions, right? So that tells you that he knows what he's doing even at a young age. But more importantly, this, this is the most important thing. He's been in this offense before. He's been around it. He's coached under his dad. So there's certain things that you can bring to the table that would change. And also, let me give you this, these numbers too as well. Now, when you look at Dalvin Cook in 2021, Dalvin Cook was over, you know, um, 1,200 yards rushing, and he had uh, six touchdowns, and they threw the ball to him 34 times. So he knows what he's doing. If the Broncos want that change, once again, it's on your staff. Just, just be willing to relinquish the power to him. And guess what? It's not bad. It's not an indictment on you, Coach Hackett, because guess what? You hired him on your staff, and you were smart enough to say, hey, look, we have a guy on this roster that can possibly turn things around. I'm going to give it to him, and I'm going to step back, and I'm going to assume the delegation as a head coach. To me, that's a win-win, is it not, George? No, I 100% agree. I, I think, Clint, if you're going to give up play calling, he's the guy to give it to, right? He, he, he did a really good job in Minnesota. You just mentioned some of the numbers. Uh, I didn't even know they were that good. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's one step. I mean, look, desperate times call for desperate measures, right, Nick? Nathaniel right. Hackett knows his job is on the line these next eight games. 
you might as well try and do something different, right? Uh, now, right. I could also see his his mindset of, I'm going to go down with the ship. Uh, I'm going to try and fix this thing myself. But at some point, he needs to realize that's a bad idea. <laughs> like, it's clearly <laughs> not working, right, the way that you're doing it. Why not give someone else a chance? You can focus on the game management, you know, continue to preach your message in the locker room. And that doesn't mean that you can't still have a say in what you guys are doing offensively. Obviously, he's going to have his hand in the cookie jar and what they're still doing, right? Uh, he's going to still be putting together the game plan. But I do think having someone like Clint Kubiak call the plays is not a bad idea. And I think it's also an, a weird situation, Nick, maybe because Justin Alton is is the quote-unquote offensive coordinator, so you would technically are supposed to hand him off to the play calling, but he's never called plays before at an NFL level. Clint Kubiak has and has done it at a high level. It just makes too much sense to me. I, I don't know, Nick. We have to take a break. I want to stay on this topic, though, because uh, I want to I want to dive into it a little bit more. I also want to dive into some other numbers I have, uh, and then we will, we will continue to talk about that. And also, Nick, some injury news that we got yesterday from Nathaniel Hackett. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. And Nick, we were just talking about the offense. Uh, one thing I wanted to throw out you, we talked about Clint Kubiak and maybe him taking over the play calling. I, I also think, Nick, this has been a problem for the Broncos for a while, right? Uh, we, all, we all know since Super Bowl 50, that this has been an issue. They've not been able to move the ball. They've not been able to score. Listen to this stat. The Broncos' 10-point game Sunday was their league-leading 49th game with fewer than 17 points in Super Bowl 50. They have almost as many such games in that span as the rest of the AFC West put together, 51 of those games. Mm. 49 games since Super Bowl 50 that they've scored less than 17 points. Wow. That is, that is really bad. And so that's where I, I also want to bring up, Nick, in fixing the offense, I think it's clear that, yes, Hackett needs to do a better job. They need to get more creative. But I think at, at some point, too, Nick, you've got to say, you know what? This has been an issue now for seven years, really since Peyton Manning left. And I think part of it is players, right? you got to get better players. And I know that's you can't do that right now in this season. But I'm thinking long term, you got to be looking at your roster and saying, you know what? Maybe it's not just the coach. Maybe it's not just the quarterback, right? Maybe we need to go out and get better receivers, better running backs. I mean, Javante Williams, I mean, hopefully he comes back and is healthy because I think he's obviously clearly a great running back. But, you know, you got to get better on the offensive line, clearly. Like, that has to happen. Uh, but I that's part of my argument is, like, we can sit here and say, oh, this is a this-year problem. I'm, I'm going to argue that this has been an issue for a long time. And I think that goes to the personnel and some of those decisions. So, because they did go get the quarterback that they, they were supposed to. And, and we can argue about Russell Wilson and if he's good enough or not. But I do think that you can also look at the guys around the quarterback and the guys that the coach is coaching and say, well, maybe they just don't have enough elite players. Well, here, here's, a, here's what it is. And uh, you bring up a very interesting topic. Once again, you have to have the right personnel. Like like Lil Wayne said, coaches coach, players play, and cheerleaders cheer. And it's definitely true. 
So the one thing that's missing in all of this, and it should be flashing like a neon sign, is identity. What's the identity? So when you look back at all these coaches and and, uh, and uh, inconsistencies or deficiencies with either side of the ball, it's an identity, right? What are we trying to accomplish? Because I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers as, as kind of the model. They know what they are. We run the ball. We play great defense, right? It's never going to change. So we're going to go out and get those type of guys that fit our culture, right? And we're going to plug and play those guys. Uh, guys contract run out. Uh, guys get injured. We're just going to move another guy in. It's, it's, it's the hamster wheel. And the Broncos haven't really done that. So when, he, when, when you think about what the Broncos actually did by going out to get Nathaniel Hackett, you're thinking, okay, well, here's the system that he wants to run. Obviously, you don't have all those types of players because you have the previous regime with Vic Fangio, John Elway, and Pat Shermer. So you may not have all the players that fit the scheme. So now you needed to go out and draft and free agents and bring some of those guys in. It's almost like college football, if you will, right? You have a guy who's already there. Let's use CU and Mel Tucker, right? He recruits a certain type of guy, right? Carl Durrell comes in and he doesn't have the type of players that can run his system. So how many years are you going to give that coach to get the right players, right? So, so when everyone's saying, the thing Hackett is on the hot seat. Yes, he is. Could he be fired? Possibly, but most likely not, because that's the way that they're thinking, right? He doesn't have all the players and the personnel to run his scheme. So do we really know how this picture would actually look? No, we don't. We only have a small sample size. And I know that's crazy, George, because we're rolling into week 11, week 12. It was like, yeah, we know what we know. It was like, no, you just said it, George. They don't have the personnel. So if you don't have a personnel, how do we really know what Nathaniel Hackett is capable of, what this offense is capable of, what Russell Wilson is capable of, because you don't have the personnel. So they're probably thinking, let's run it back in 2023, let's go out and get some pieces, and let's see then what this offense can look like if they have the right personnel. See, I just changed the narrative right there. Nathaniel Hackett doesn't get fired because of that. Well, I see. I I don't know. I still think there's a chance because, and I mentioned it on the last podcast, is that it's so it's so hard, Nick, because I, I keep going back and forth on on which side who whose fault it is. It, one, both can be true, right? Uh, Hackett needs to do a better job of of you know using the personnel that he does have to find success, right? That's what the great co- coaches do. They get dealt a hand and they turn that hand into into blackjack, right? They, they figure it out. That's what the great coaches do. On the other hand, I don't think he was dealt a very good hand, right? He was, he was given like a, you know, a 12 at the table, right? Uh, and he's trying to figure out, do I double down? Do I, you know, what, what do I do here? Right. Uh, and so I think that it, it goes both ways, but what, but my point though, in saying that he could still be fired is they're on pace to have one of the worst offenses in NFL history. And I don't care what, your roster looks like that can't happen, right? Like that can't be something that happens, uh, you know, when, when you step in as a head coach. So I, I just, it's going to be tough for them to make that decision. I, I still want to see improvement week to week. I think improvement or, or even uh, a, not, maybe not even improvement, but an acceptance of, Hey, what I'm doing is not working. Maybe we give Clint Kubiak a chance. I think that would actually be a step in the right direction. If Hackett says, you know what? I'm clearly what I'm trying to do isn't working. Let's try this something else. Let's try something different. 
right? Because then it shows that he's accepting to change, right? Because there's right. going to have to be change after this season. If he if he sticks around, they're going to have to make some coaching changes within the staff, right? They're going to have to to evaluate some of the things that they're doing. Uh, and so I, I think that that's what you want to see from Hackett moving forward is, you know, doing a better job, dealing with the hand that he's been dealt, and then also maybe being accepting to some changes that could maybe improve this football team. And maybe, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe you go out, you know, uh, in a, in a, you know, a, you know, flames, right? Like maybe it's, it's, it's terrible and Clint Kubiak can't be, you know, the play caller, but at least you gave it a shot. You tried something different uh, to try and turn around the season. But right now we're just not, we're not seeing that, that change. It's, it continues to be, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Well, that's not, that's not <laughs> working, you know? So I, I, I that's what I want to see. Well, well, okay. So with that being said, if you are Nathaniel Hackett, right, would you float this out there where, hey, I don't really have the personnel and I thought walking into the situation and that I was going to be giving more time to kind of change things around because we knew I didn't really have that personnel. And with the current personnel that I do have, a lot of those guys got injured. So is there somewhat of a safety blanket embedded in there, a, a kind of contract escape hatch, if you will? Hey, listen, I should be given another opportunity because look how many injuries I have. Is that a possibility of being somewhat of an excuse, justification, or how do you look at it? I think so. I mean, I, if I'm Hackett, that's what I'm trying to push is like, hey, I need more time. We got to get some different players in here. You know, we've got to get healthy, right? That's definitely what he has to push, right? If he's trying, if he's pitching to Greg Pinner, why he should have another year, that's got to be the pitch, right? Hey, I need better players. Uh, hey, I need, you know, guys to be healthy, uh, you know, those sorts of things and saying, hey, this wasn't going to, you know, you, you didn't build Rome overnight, right? I think that's what. Josh uh, McDaniels. Yes, that's what Josh McDaniels or, or Mark Davis. Mark, Mark Davis. Mark, Mark Davis said the other day, yes. you know, yeah. Rome wasn't built overnight. And I think that that's what Hackett has to push is like, hey, you got to give me some more time. I know I screwed up and we got to figure some things out. I know I need to get better, but there's still a lot of things that we need to fix. And I also think, you know, and I'm not saying he should throw Russell Wilson under the bus, but I would also say that his expectation of what Russell was going to be was probably a lot higher. And I think there's a lot of people in that facility that would probably say the same thing is like, well, we thought Russell was going to be a little bit better than he's been. And of course, I think he's been a little bit hurt. I think you'd also attribute to some of his lack of a lack of success to personnel. I, I continue to say, and I've said it from the start, the Broncos don't have one player, not one player that's as good as DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett on this roster, like at wide receiver, they do not have a playmaker as good as either of those two players. They also don't have Marshawn Lynch or Kenneth Walker, the third in the backfield. You know, like, I guess Seattle has Kenneth Walker now, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it, they don't have those players that Seattle did. So I wonder if that's the other argument. It's like, hey, we got to get Russ better players. We got to get Nathaniel better players. I just, I don't know, Nick. It just, I also just, you know, the, the other problem with all of this is the Walton Pinner group didn't hire Nathaniel Hackett. They didn't hire George Payton. So they don't have a whole lot of loyalty to Hackett. So like, if he goes in there and he pitches that, they might just say, we don't care. We're going to go get the person that we want. And I don't know who that is, but I'm like, that's the thing is he could go in there with the greatest pitch of all time to keep his job. 
and they could already have their mind made up that says, hey, we, we're going to go get our guy because that's who we want to be loyal to. Well, yeah, that can easily happen. And I don't think the Walton Penner family, even though they didn't hand select George Payton, they're not looking to make that move because keep this in mind, they don't know too much about the business of football. They know about business in corporate America. And just because we look at the NFL as a corporation, you just can't walk in here off the street and understand exactly what's going on. It doesn't work like your typical corporate America uh, company. So I don't think they're going to go in that direction with George Payton just yet. All eyes are obviously on Nathaniel Hackett. And can he improve? If they gave him better players, would things look different? And I would not, if I'm Nathaniel Hackett, I would not go in there with my strategy to try to keep my job and say, hey, listen, hey, Russ wasn't, wasn't what I expected him to be because guess what? All those fingers now point back at you because you were the person that needed to change the offense to fit him or to put plays together that would accentuate his his, his skill set, even if that mean, meant forcing him to do something that he did not want to do or letting him do what he wanted to do. All of that now still goes back to Hackett because you have you are the head coach, right? Which means that you're in charge of everything and you're the offensive coordinator at the same time. And my argument would be like, hey, you should have known at some point in the season that you had too much on your plate and it was time to delegate to someone else. But you just kept going to the podium saying the same thing. We going to be all right, right? That, that's what he kept saying, but it, it his Kendrick Lamar didn't work. So uh, now they're, they're, they're considering that, but I still think he can use it as an excuse. Hey, I didn't have the right personnel. We knew that when I signed on for this job and you guys told me, Hey, look, we know it's going to be a rough start, but we're going to hang with you. So I need you to hang tight with me and don't release me. Shout out Kendrick. Um, I would also say pitching the Russell Wilson thing is not a good idea because they're already tied to Russell, you know, for the next seven years or whatever it is. And at the end of the day, they're going to choose Russell over Hackett because they have to, they're, they're literally, they gave him the money to stick with him. So you can't go in there and throw the quarterback under the bus because they're like, they're just going to be like, well, you're stuck with him no matter what. Right. Uh, so, but uh, part of the problem, Nick also has been injuries for this team uh, quickly before we get out of here, some injury updates, Jerry Judy, not as bad as they had feared. I know we mentioned that yesterday. Sounds like he's day to day is what Nathaniel Hackett said. I still don't know. If he'll play this week, I, I I don't know if you want to rush him back, um, you know, especially against a bad Raiders team. Uh, like, I just – I don't know if there's a whole lot of value there. Uh, it sounds like Billy Turner, I believe, is week to week. Uh, Graham Glasgow is day-to-day. And Kwan Williams uh, is week to week as well. What's just your thoughts on, on the injury news? It sounds like not as bad as maybe we anticipated. You know, when some of those guys went out, I was like, man, Jerry Judy might be out for the season. Billy Turner, another knee issue. Um, he could be out for the season. K1 Williams, who's been playing. I was going to mention him earlier defensively. I would argue he should be in the Pro Bowl if there's like a nickel spot. That dude's been unbelievable this year, I think. He's been phenomenal for the Broncos. I, I could argue he was the best free agent signing they had. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that sounds like he probably's going to be out the longest, maybe four weeks, maybe around that area. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, maybe what's your reaction to some of those Injury updates, Nick. Well, it's, it's tough, man. And um, NFL is a long season. This is why I felt the guys, when the collective bargaining agreement was up for negotiation, they should have kind of 
try to negotiate more compensation because there's a lot of guys uh, have been injured on a lot of teams this year. And you look at the seasons itself, like it's 17 weeks or whatever. The owner's going to try to push it to another 18 weeks. So it makes things that much more difficult. Uh, it's going to really put stress on the Broncos defense because, yeah, you're right, Kwan Williams was one of the best uh, free agent acquisitions that the Broncos acquired, and he should be considered for the Pro Bowl. But being out for four weeks with them going in and scope his knee and clean things out, that's going to put them uh, in a very difficult uh, spot. And the, off, and the defense is going to have to try to find a way to make up uh, for his uh, play uh, moving forward. So it, it's a tough situation. Injuries are a part uh, of this game. And with Billy Turner being out with the knee injury, uh, one thing I don't know, I don't know if it's the same in, knee injury that kind of kept him out during training camp, if it is. Now the Broncos are looking at their right tackle spot saying, we need to go find someone. And maybe uh, it's in free agency grabbing a veteran guy because grabbing a rookie guy and drafting him, most likely he's not going to be ready and ready to go when you want him to. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see who guys – who steps up? I mean, Asing Bassey, I would assume, is is up for that nickel spot. Um, you know, PJ Locke, if they get Justin Simmons back, can maybe jump in and, and play some there as well. Um, you know, you've got some some younger guys, you know, that you could maybe Darius Phillips, um, you know, maybe he's back from his illness. So interesting situation there. And then on the offensive line, I mean, they just have to keep plugging and playing, guys, Nick. Uh it's it's yeah. just getting to a point where you're playing rookies out there. You're playing practice squad guys. Um, just a tough situation. It does sound like Cam Fleming might be back this week, so that could be uh, a help up there. You know, at, at tackle, at either right or left, because he can play either side. So, um, going to be interesting to see what the Broncos do because the injuries they just keep piling up. Um, it's it's a brutal situation for the Broncos right now on that front. But Nick, uh, anything else before we get out of here? Hey, listen, man, that offensive line, they're going to have enough to another tough uh, week this week with this offensive line being banged up. We'll get into it in our next podcast. But if you are Max Crosby, you're looking at the Broncos offensive line is like excellent. Right. That that and once again, we'll get into a little more of that uh, in our next podcast. But that is something that's very interesting. And if you're Russell Wilson, you were hit 18 times last game. You may want to go into that room and that coaching staff and tell them they better do something about getting the ball out of your hand quickly. If not, that 18, maybe 22 hits in this game. Yeah. And man, Max Crosby, he wrecked him last game, didn't he? I think he I think he has sure seven did. sacks. I think he has seven sacks this season. Did he have two against the Broncos? The last yeah, he, he he had about two uh sacks, but he had a lot of pressures. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So it, it could be a big game for him. So we'll we'll jump into that later this week. Uh, but Nick, thanks for hopping on. Uh, thanks everybody listening. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe and like the podcast and we'll see you guys later this week to Brock to break down the Broncos and the Raiders.